Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Randy Herbertson is a recognized brand strategist, conceptor, and creative director with over 25 years of marketing and innovation experience in the client, agency, and media worlds, from entrepreneurial to corporate environments. Randy has worked with WPP and Omnicom Agency Networks, Condé Nast Publications, Allied Domenc, and E&J Gallo. Randy has balanced his training and experience to play a key role in a number of product innovations and corporate transformations. He has worked with a diverse range of industries that include retail, financial, professional services, technology and entertainment, pharmaceutical, automotive, and consumer packaged goods. And when our listeners think about bravery at work, one of the areas that are of interest to them is this unusual world or interesting world of creativity, right? To what degree do you need to be creative in order to be braver at work. So I hope we'll have this type of conversation with him today. Hello, Randy. Hello, Ed, great to be here. Thank you, thank you so much for being with us today. And I did a kind of limited introduction of you, and I think our listeners would love to hear from you a little bit more about what you do and how you have come to do what you do in the marketplace. So I'll give you the capsule summary. I uh, graduated from college with a graphic design and international business degree. So uh, sort of a right brain, left brain starting point. And the thread throughout my entire career has been working on new products and services. So uh, some people call that innovation. Some departments are called innovation, but we prefer to make it simpler. And so that's the common thread. So uh, what I'd like to talk about what uh, my current studio, the visual brand is, is we're sort of a, a brand concepting and production studio. And we say both because it's uh, we don't just simply think of the ideas. We often execute them um, at a whole range of kinds of things uh, for, for brands that are trying to launch. And I say products and services because we don't just do products. We also do services. Um, yeah, so that's it. So it's, we're a very right brain, left brain organization. Great. I love that. It's always good to have a little balance. And you know, I'm wondering, Randy, you know, is there a difference to people between innovation and creativity, you mentioned you know innovation is an area that you work on. Are they the same thing, or is being innovative and being creative a little bit different? No, and I just think the word innovation is turned into a word like marketing. It, it's sort of used in a lot of different ways. 
And so I kind of avoid that because I think it's overused. Uh, you know, tr in, in truth, we are absolutely an innovation firm because we're always trying to think of something new and next. So we're trying to, it doesn't mean, by the way, I also, another phrase I like is the smart adaptation of existing technology. So sometimes when you put A plus B together, it's a whole new C. So it doesn't mean that we're inventing everything from scratch. But at the same time, we're trying to not to just reuse what's been done. So, so for instance, we're not the place that someone comes to and said, hey, we've got this great thing going and it's going really, really well. Just keep going what we're doing. So not really our sweet spot. You know, not that we can't do that, but it's, it's our sweet spot to say, hey, you know what? We're an apple and we want to be an orange. Or could we be an orange? Okay. Or, you know, we've been doing what we're doing and, you know, we need to become something new. Okay. Maybe something that carries a legacy of what we've been, but we still want to become something new. Um, and to give you that in context of the industries, you know, so we definitely work on the emerging end of the, of the world. And sometimes new companies come to us directly. Sometimes they come to us via their financers, you know, their private equity or whatever that happens to be. And that team usually needs a lot of things like, okay, I have a great idea, but, and I know how to do the idea maybe, but I don't know how to, communicate about it, don't know how to position it, don't know how we get into the marketplace. So that's where we help them figure all those things out. Sometimes, which even includes help me get more money to do what I'm doing. And by that stand, it's like helping with investor decks and things like that. Um, on the other end of the spectrum with large companies, you know, a real common client for us is what they often call the innovation team. Uh, and that's the team that's designed to say, okay, what are we doing next? What are we filling the pipeline with? You know, we, we, we've got a business here. We need to have a business there. So we'll work with those kinds of teams. Sometimes that's a standard marketing team that has that responsibility. So those teams we work with quite a bit frequently on the big side. Well, it sounds like in some ways that uh, you could say it requires creativity to be innovative. I don't know if it requires innovation to be creative, but it seems like if you want to be innovative, you need to be creative. I, that's true. That's absolutely true. And and part of that also, and I think a big theorem that we, or like I say principle we stand on is don't be innovative for innovative sake, you know, make sure whatever you're doing can be done, you know, and I have a look at even in my career, those classic examples, like coming up with a great idea that was entirely unexecutable <laughs> and that doesn't help anybody. So we always have to try to ground ourselves. Like for instance, when we're doing um, packaging innovation, which is one of the things we do, we like to think of new ways that make packaging open like a present, we like to say, and something new. But if you create something that's way too expensive or actually doesn't work, no one's won, right? So we have to ground ourselves in reality. Um, but it doesn't mean we have to limit trying to push the envelope and doing something new. Well, absolutely. And yeah, I just want to go back to some of your other comments earlier. You know, it's funny that you mentioned innovation is kind of a word like marketing, that it gets kind of overused or overgeneralized because there's other words that we have heard on the podcast that I think carry similar uh, weight. One is authenticity and the other is executive presence. And people say they want to have great executive presence and they want to be authentic. And when I ask them, well, what do you mean by that? They don't know yet, right? They don't know what that word means. They have to think about it or come up with their own type of definition. So, you know, there are some words that are very black and white that when you say it, you know exactly what it is that the person's looking for. And other words they just use, but they don't really know the meaning and they use it because they hear it a lot and they think, oh, that's what everyone else is doing. So I must need to do it too. But when asked what it is, they can't really explain you know, what that might be. The other thing you mentioned is uh, 
and I really think this applies to being brave at work, which is becoming something new. And you know, I would ask all of our listeners who are in an experience that they feel they need to demonstrate bravery and that they might be having trouble moving forward is to think about, you know, could I create something new, right? Isn't my whole objective with my boss or with a peer or with a team to create something new? And, you know, I'd love to ask you, Randy, to expound a little bit on, you know, what this idea of becoming something new might be about. So I think becoming something new, absolutely, in, in your theme does require bravery, okay? Whether you're doing that as a corporate initiative or as an individual, okay? And again, I would emphasize, don't try to become something new for becoming something new's sake, right? Or don't say, I need to become something new because I can't figure out how to make what I'm doing now better, okay? Because sometimes improvement isn't reinvention, okay? Sometimes improvement can be something new, uh, building on something you're working. The same sense as people say, it's also great to fail fearlessly too, you know, where you uh, realize that, you know what, I've it was a risk and reward thing and it's not working and I need to move on and do something new. Because we also sometimes hold on to things for too long because we're afraid to do something new. So, but, so the something new really has a lot to do with a couple of things. Number one is, what are the legacy elements that I don't want to let go of, that are important, that carry me forward. And that could be, again, as an individual or as a brand, because there's always things that are good, likely. Um, unless you are, it was interesting, years ago, I rebranded a, a company that was associated with another company that made them toxic. We said, okay, let's throw everything out and start over, okay? Because you don't want to be associated there anymore. But typically, that's not the case. Um, and then the other part is then, so what do I need to do differently? And what do I need to be differently? And what can I be differently? And that really also has to be in context with how is it that going to be relevant to my challenges today? So again, sometimes we say, oh, I'm going to be this because it's going to be different and interesting. And then you realize in today's world, well, not so relevant for what I'm trying to accomplish. Okay. And again, as an individual, that could be in the environment you're in saying, you know what? I want to become a, like in my world, I want to become an oil painter. Okay. Well, that's wonderful. You want to become an oil painter, but don't do a lot of oil painting in what we're doing here. So Yay, go do that, but that's not necessarily relevant in your career here today. I'm not going to stop you from that. But if you can find a, a, an opportunity to be new in a way that will be uh, congruent and relevant in your current environment, go for it. Well, I love the messages that you're sending our listeners, Randy, and I just want to repeat one of them, which is improvement is not reinvention. It might be something new, that if you want to have a different relationship with your boss or if your boss is doing something that is having a negative impact on their relationship with others, and they just have a blind spot about it, they don't see it or recognize it, it may not be just reinventing that and kind of like Play-Doh, just recreating it into something that looks different, but setting the Play-Doh aside and saying, hey, what we need to do is start something new. Now, that might be hard for many people to have that type of conversation with their boss. And feedback that I get from listeners is that we love the ideas, but they're hard to do, right? They're hard to have these conversations with your boss based on the nature of our relationship. It's hard to have this conversation with a peer because of how we work together, things of that nature. And perhaps a good way to begin the conversation or think about it is to not think about just reinventing or reforming what you have, but starting new to say, hey, Randy, I think our relationship could be a little bit better than it is today. Let's start fresh, right? Let's start as if we just met. What is it that you're looking for from me in order to help you be successful? Let me tell you what I'm looking for from you in order to help me be successful. You know, let's trade these observations and move forward. 
I'm rambling a little bit. I'm just curious what your thoughts might be. Yeah. So as you mentioned earlier, the word authenticity, Ed, I actually thought of two dimensions of that that help it more uh, illustrated for me. And that's the word transparency and honesty. And I think those two words are probably as you think there's an authentic person, there's an authentic idea. It carries those two dimensions. So honesty, meaning I'm not trying to be pull something over on you. I'm not trying to be something I'm not. Okay. And transparency is being transparent with like what my motivations are behind what I'm doing. And so I will tell you really as being on the, the boss end of this for a very long time and not being a reporter, even though look at, I have to, I report to my clients certainly, and there's a relationship there of authority, but what's really important. And I will tell you, even as someone who manages lots of people is, um, are those dimensions. And so I, the responsibility for a relationship between a boss and an employee is two ways, we always say, okay? It's it's certainly the responsibility of the leader to be a good leader and to be listening and transparent and all those things, but it's as important for the employee to provide the same feedback because frankly, it's not a one size fits all. A style that works for one relationship between an employee and a, and a, and a boss isn't the same style that works somewhere else, you know? So certainly look at as, as, as a, as a, as a leader, I'll have certain things, ways I do things, of course, but the same things, it's important to be adaptive to, you know, the people you're managing, you know, and it's much important. And this is something even in my team to come up with that team is relationship between coworkers too. Cause sometimes the issue isn't just, you know, between uh, the boss and the individual, it's between the issues are elsewhere. Okay. And, and frankly, I left the corporate world because the, the politics and the drama in that sort of, to me, distracted from actually getting things done. So, um, you know, I will say that I'm far from a perfect boss, but I do try to create those um, communications between my employees that are individualized enough that they um, they can be productive. But I'm also really open to someone saying to me, you know what, the way you're communicating isn't working or I'm not getting the information and, um, and and creating a new way to do it. Well, I loved your definition of authenticity being transparency and honesty. And I know neither of us are sociologists, but I'm just wondering, you know, from your perspective, Randy, you know, why is it the perception that bosses aren't always honest? You would think people would be honest because honesty helps foster progress. You know, if you're not honest, you're kind of stuck where you are and you're have to remember what you said. So you say it again. Uh, but when you're honest and you don't have to be completely forthcoming, you could say, look, this is something the organization's working on. I'm not able to talk about it completely right now, but here's where we are. Here's what we're thinking, as opposed to creating the drama and politics that you mentioned earlier. That's one of the characteristics that a lot of people describe are reasons they don't like corporate life is because of all of the drama and politics and uh, egos and biases and manipulations that you know can happen. You know, why do you think it's so hard for people to be transparent and honest? So I think you hit the nail on the head, Ed. And, and I think what happens is people feel honesty is impeded by transparency, basically. So in other words, boss says, I can tell you what I can tell you, but I can't tell you what I can't tell you. Okay. Or the employee says, I'm being positioned by my boss because he's being guided by HR and blah, blah, blah. And so he's being very safe in his communication with me. And so they, there's a feeling there's a lack of honesty. So those two are very, very tied together. And I think the way around that is just to be, again, to be honest, to say, I'm going to tell you as much as I can tell you and know that I am not, I'm giving you everything I can tell you, you know, 
I'm not positioning you. I'm not, I said, this is, this is what we know. And really, frankly, we're in this together. Okay. Because, because what a lot of times, you know, the, the employee doesn't recognize is the boss is under the same pressure. Okay. And they actually probably have a boss <laughs> at, at some level. And, and so they're under the same thing. So recognizing it isn't just a situation where they're in it on, on themselves. Well, I love that uh, your boss has a boss mentality because a lot of people forget that. And, you know, some people consider tooting their own horn to be uncomfortable. And yet I tell people all the time, you know, don't think of it as tooting your own horn. Think of it of informing your boss on what you're working on, because at some point their boss is going to want to know what's going on and they need information. They don't want to say, well, I don't know. Nobody ever talks to me. They want to say, oh, here's something that Randy's working on. Here's something that Ed's working on, so forth and so on. So think of it as updating your boss and keeping them posted on what you're working on versus, uh, you know, tooting your own horn. So, Randy, I'm just wondering, you know, you mentioned authenticity and I, I love that breakdown of transparency and honesty. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit in search of a great definition of authenticity and executive presence because there's a lot of work being done on those fronts. And, you know, I'm not an expert in it, but I just haven't found, you know, the definition that I think just fits it perfectly for everyone. You know, are there any other words or phrases you think of when you think about bravery in the workplace? Yeah, and again, I something that I was going to reference that I think it's important. And actually, um, I wrote a Forbes article about this a number of years ago, and it's actually a, a theorem that I've used forever. And I call it, uh, actually I call it your creative DNA, but actually you don't have to necessarily be a creative person. And this is, and I will tell you, this actually is fun, founded in years ago when I was in the large agency network, I had the privilege of having an executive coach because group of us were given that privilege. And uh, the woman who did this with me gave me a seed of idea that I built on now for 20 years. And it all has to do with a combination of sort of two different matrices. One is, you know, are you a, uh, a linear thinker or a matrix thinker, meaning a multitasker? Are you a fast processor or a considered processor? And uh, to give you the really brief definition, the fast processor is the person who thinks of ideas instantly, they're coming through their head very quickly. Um, you know, they're the person in a brainstorm that are always talking. And the downside of that side is, of course, they're not terribly good listeners and they don't keep lo ideas long. The considered processor is the person who sits in the room and doesn't say anything, but is getting pieces and picking up pieces and is going away later and building their ideas. And they are often thought, oh, you're not participating in, in a discussion when they're really, we are. And of course, later, the other issue is that when they build their ideas, they're usually very firm on them because they built them for the bottom up. Um, so, and then the flip side is the matrix and the linear is the, uh, the linear thinker doesn't want to get off something till it's done, wants to keep moving forward on the same plane and, and get it and, and until it gets done. And of course, the downside of, of that, uh, uh, type of thinking is that you can, under stress, you can really slow down and not get things done and spend a whole day doing something because you want to get it done. Um, uh, they tend to be very detail oriented in a good way though. Uh, they also hate to change topics. So if you're in a conversation and someone wants to go off, they go, no, wait, I'm not ready. I'm really still stuck on this. And then the matrix thinker, of course, is your classic multitasker. Um, they do multiple things at one time. And of course, under stress, the pieces fly. So they have to learn how to be organized and put those together. So when you come, and by the way, those two don't necessarily combine in the same way. So yes, matrix thinkers and, and, and fast processors are often a type, but you could have a matrix thinker uh, who is um, uh, uh, who is a uh, 
a considered processor. That's possible too. So what the, the point of all of this is if you understand both your style and the style of those you're working with or working for you, you can better adapt your styles and make them complement because they completely complement. So for myself, I'm definitely matrix and a, uh, a fast processor. So I know that I have to really be a good active listener, that I have to write things down. I have an ideas and no, spit them out because I know that I have to listen to those things around me. Um, as a matrix thinker, I keep lots of lists. Okay, so adaptively I do that, so I keep them. But when I'm working with a, uh, a linear thinker uh, who's a considered processor, I know that I have to say, you know what? I got to ask permission to move to another topic, okay? Uh, because I know that they may not be ready. Um, at the same time, I have to really listen uh, to what they're uh, uh, they're saying and they're thinking about. Because the because the considered processor also when they say something, it's really usually important because they've thought about it. It isn't just something that have come off the top of their head. So again, in the same as I work this with my teams, uh, I like to combine styles a lot because it's not like, oh, they think alike, let's have them work together. That's not necessarily the right way. Having different styles come together can really be, as they said, the one plus one equals three. Well, you're talking about a couple of things that is enough content for another podcast, which is uh, self-awareness and social awareness, right? Knowing yourself, your pluses and minuses, which we all have, and then having social awareness on how others are. And, uh, you know, that's so super critical to navigating effectively. And then also, you know, what I might call kind of personality preferences, you know, like who am I, uh, good or bad, and then how are others and how do I interact and work with them? So uh, those are fantastic topics to leave our podcast with today. Randy, which is really thinking about self-awareness yourself and social awareness, which is thinking about how others interact with you. So I really have appreciated our conversation today, Randy, and you have a tremendous amount of insight as a business owner in respect to bravery at work and the preferences of others and how to interact with them. And I'm just wondering how folks might get in contact with you if they'd like to hear more information about you or your organization, The Visual Brand. So the, the simplest way is to go the, to thevisualbrand.com. That's our website. Uh, also, I am Randy at thevisualbrand.com. Okay, great. Well, Randy, thank you so much for your time today. It has been great speaking with you. Thank you, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us next for our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and our download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at capitrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.